the model church of strong faith and also a, a strong spiritual aftercare Ch church you put it in those words eh? the model church this that has to do with the faith of this, the Thessalonians. I'm, I'm trying, struggling with the tongue twisters here. It has to do with the faith of the Thessalonians. Their faith was strong and Paul wanted to make sure that it remained strong. He wanted to make sure that it remained strong. But these were only baby Christians. Only baby Christians. They were not. They were not strong in the faith as they should have been. And yet, despite all of that, they are still a model to us because they held nothing back. Now, one of the most wonderful joys in life is the birth of a child. Isn't it true? The parents look forward to the child's arrival going for regular checkups check with the gynecologist, maybe the doctor as well, where they rejoice to listen to their child's heartbeat. Hey, when you hear that heartbeat, you get excited. Isn't it true? Moms and dads, can you remember that? With much excitement, they get things ready at home and start thinking of a good name for their baby. And then the long-awaited day arrives. The contractions stop. And dad's heart is beating. Doesn't know what to do. And eventually, you know, it's time. It's time. And dad rushes mom, of course, to the, to, to the closest hospital or, or the closest where we, place where, where, where the birth is going to take place. The delivery goes well and the baby is born. Family and friends congratulate the new dad and mom, saying how cute and how cuddly this little child is. Have you heard that? Eh? And finally, when all things are settled, the, the proud parents bring their little bundle of joy back home. But that is not the end of the story, isn't it true? It's only the beginning of a long, tedious process as the infant needs much care and order to grow and develop physically. And that's what Paul had in mind here with these baby Christians. This involves regular, when you think of the baby, it, it involves regular feeding. It involves regular changing of nappies. Isn't that true? <laughs> the Americans say diapers, all right? <laughs> it, it, uh, it involves uh, regularly having the child bar bathed. Is that, are you bathing the child, in other words, and keeping the baby safe from all harm and danger? When the newborn cries, the baby needs comfort. I, those who are nurses here, they know that. When it is, the baby is tired, the baby needs to be rocked to sleep. <laughs> uh, when the baby has a fever, the baby needs medication. When the baby develops rashes, what happens? You need to get the proper cream, isn't it? <laughs> uh, isn't it, uh, Renee? <laughs> Such great care and attention usually puts great demands on the parents who may not have much rest and sleep for many, many months. <laughs> I'm sure 
as we think of this. I want to get you into this here in terms of a baby. I am sure you know how the Apostle Paul felt when he looked at these baby Christians. And he asked, how could they possibly survive and grow with no one to provide any spiritual care for them? And 1 Thessalonians 3 shows that the Thessalonian Christians did not surrender under all the intense pressures and trials they faced. When Timothy was sent back to Thessalonica to strengthen their faith, he found them still standing firm in Christ. Isn't that amazing? And eager to receive the word of God. By God's grace, the new Christians responded very well to the loving care of Paul and his co-workers. This was truly the best outcome they could ever have hoped for. And now Paul gives gives thanks to God for keeping them strong. And when I think of their faith here this morning, their faith stands out as a model to us, despite them being so young. And firstly, a strong faith is developed by alert and attentive spiritual caregivers. Are you alert to what is happening in the lives of others here this morning? You see, selfless love for others is vital in spiritual caring. This selfless love will be seen in at least three ways, and we're just going to touch on it. It will be seen in their presence, in their passion, and in their prayers. Firstly, spiritual caregivers must be willing to be present with those whom they care for. And Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It also speaks about the fact that in verse 10 about making use of every opportunity to care for others. And that's, that's my own words there, but that's what it basically means. Yes, we've got to be present with those whom we, we care for. Then we must be ready and willing to help, comfort, and encourage, and strengthen them. Genuine care and concern for others will make us desire to be there for others when they need us. Are you there for them? Think of your fellow brothers and sisters. Do you care about them? It's immensely difficult to give quality care from a distance. Isn't it true? From a distance. And the Apostle Paul realized that. That is why he sent Timothy there to care for these young believers. We need to be concerned enough to find out how well they are doing and we must care enough about their welfare to be present with them when they need someone to guide them and someone to support them. Are you one of those who's present with others when they go through some difficult, challenging times? Life is so challenging, we need to be there for one another. But the second way in which selfless love can be seen is in our passion, to build up the face of those whom we care for. Are you passionate about others? Paul says here in, in, in Romans 14, or 1 verse 14, he, he says, I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks. I'm obligated to both the wise and the foolish. I'm obligated. 
I'm, I'm obligated to love them. I'm obligated to be concerned about them. I have an obligation to fulfill. And then, of course, in verse, uh, Ephesians 4.32, it speaks about being kind and compassionate, forgiving one another. And I, I think the one that I love is in Colossians 3, verse 12, which it speaks about clothing yourself, clothing ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with, with patience. Sometimes we need to clothe ourselves passionately with, with a desire to make a difference in someone's life. Paul clearly had a great passion to build up these Thessalonians. According to verse 2 there, this was the main reason why he sent Timothy when he himself could not go to them. Timothy was sent for the specific purpose of strengthening their faith. They faced difficult challenges since their conversion. Their faith needed to be reinforced and bolstered to face even stronger winds that may come soon. Many new believers simply do not know enough of God's Word to keep them from being tossed and carried about by every wind of deceit and false teaching. They can easily be influenced and misled by unsound teachings. Not sound, unsound teachings. Unless they are strengthened through biblical instruction and biblical loving that they witness in others. Are you passionate about others developing and growing? Do you have a passion for someone? Do you have a passion for a family here this morning? Are you praying passionately for them? You know, there was one father who was so passionate about his son, and we know the story in Luke chapter 15. You know, in, after the son had disappointed his dad, walked out, rejected the, the upbringing even of his dad, and said, I want my inheritance now. Why do you take so long to die? I want my inheritance now. And, uh, and uh, this young man went off, and he went off into a foreign country, and while there, he discovered that <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not always better. The grass is not always greener on the other side. He, he discovered that soon. And when there was a famine in the land, he was also in a hopeless situation at that time, and a hopeless condition. And, and uh, it was there when he realized that his father's servants are treated even better than what he was being treated like there in this foreign country. He said, I will rise and I will go to my dad and say to him, I'm not worthy to be your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I'm prepared to be a hired servant. That was his, he came to his senses and on his way home, Dad must have been praying, and I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't speak about it, but Dad must have been in prayer all the time for his son and his, and his return. And one day, Dad looks out, and he sees a figure walking, and he says, That's my son! That's the way he walks! Oh, I'm getting excited here. That's the way he moves! It's almost similar to my walk. And the father runs. The Bible says the father runs. 
That's how passionate he was about his son. Father runs. And I want to say this. This would have been so out of character because in that culture, men of respect, they never run. They never run. But the father runs. When he meets him, the father embraces him. He doesn't force the son to grovel in the dust. Isn't that what many of us as fathers would have done? I don't know what I would have done myself. For his son to grovel. He doesn't force his son to grovel in the dust. I gave you the inheritance. You wasted it. He doesn't do that at all. And then the son goes down and he confesses and he says, I've... I've messed up. I've blown it. And the father doesn't wait for the confession to finish. How do you like that? That's how passionately he loves his son. Doesn't wait for the confession to finish. And while his son is still busy talking, the father says, It's party time. It's party time, he says to the, his servants. It's time for a traditional South African braai, not a barbecue. It's party time. The father gave him, listen to this, exactly what he didn't deserve. Hear that? Father gave him exactly what he didn't deserve. That's how passionate he was about him. See, when we are passionate, passionate about others, we give them exactly what they don't deserve. We love them. We come alongside them. We believe in them. Brothers and sisters, that's the kind of love we're talking about here. And that's the kind of love that the Apostle Paul had for these believers and his, his co-workers as well. Yes. He gave them what they didn't deserve. Exactly what they didn't deserve. You see, when we think of this further, love will also move us to pray because it speaks about prayer there. The kind of praying required in spiritual caregiving is nothing less than frequent and fervent praying for others. And uh, Mark 11 verse 24 speaks about whatever you ask, in my name you will receive, and it will be yours. Something like that it says. uh, Trust the Lord for others. Pray for them. I want to say this. If you're a prodigal here this morning, the Father... The heavenly Father is waiting for you, and he will give you exactly what you don't deserve. Unconditional love. Unconditional blessings. All you've got to do is surrender to him. Give your all to him this morning. But secondly, a strong faith is not moved by afflictions. From verses 3 to 5, and I'm not going to read it again. In other words, not led astray by afflictions. And 1 John 3 verse 7, John is an old man now. And John says to to everybody, My dear children, do not be led astray by anyone. 1 John 3 verse 7. My dear children, he speaks as an old man now. 
And he says, do not be led astray by anyone. Do not allow anything to unsettle you. Sometimes we allow things to unsettle us. Unsettled has the idea of being shaken. Sometimes we allow things to shake us, and I've given some verses there for you to ponder on in terms of not being shaken and not being unsettled. I think the one of being unsettled is the, the things that we, you know, for, for we fix our eyes on things that are unseen and not on what is seen. <clears throat> No one is exempt from trials. Your particular trial doesn't matter as much as how you respond to it. Often we focus intently on the details of our difficulties. God is much more concerned with how you respond than with the trial itself because he knows what the trial is going to accomplish. Most of the time you don't have a you don't have a choice about the bad things that happen to you. I want to say this. We don't have a choice. It happens. I can't choose anything to happen to me. It happens. Sometimes I make wrong choices, yes. But most of the times, the, the bad things that happen to me, I haven't chosen it. I don't want it. But you, you can control, listen to this, how you respond. You either respond in faith or unbelief in humility or in arrogance, in forgiveness or in anger, in hope or in despair. When hard times come, be a student, not a victim. You heard me pray when I spoke, preached in James. I also touched on this a little bit. Be a student, not a victim. Some people go through life as professional victims. You know people like that? They're professional victims always talking about how they have been mistreated. Do you know people like that? But continuously seeing yourself as a victim dooms you to a life of self-centered misery because you learn nothing from your trials. And a trial is there for you to learn something. What a difference it makes when I'm a student and not a victim. You see, I mentioned this before, but it's always good for you to hear it again. A victim says, why did this happen to me? A student says, what can I learn from this? A victim blames other people for his problems. A student asks, how much of this did I bring on myself? <laughs> a victim looks at everyone else and allows hard times everyone out and cries out, life is unfair. The student understands that God allows our times in order to help him grow. A victim would rather complain than find a solution. A student has no time to complain because he is busy making the best of his or her situation. A victim feels so sorry for himself or herself that he has no time for others, just for himself or herself. A student focuses on helping others so that he has no time to feel sorry for himself. <laughs> what are you this morning? Are you a victim or are you a student? 
But then verse 3b, it speaks about we were destined for this. Oh, uh, trials, did you see that? We are destined for it, believers. <laughs> it comes from the verb that means to put or, or to place. It's a very strong way of saying these hard times were placed here by God. Now, that's the thing, eh? What about the mistakes I made? These hard times were placed. Sometimes we go through some tough and challenging times. It's placed there by God. They didn't happen by accident. In fact, this is the opposite of chance. Everything that happens to the child of God is either and this, now you will see my theology. Eh? Everything that happens to the child of God is either caused by God or allowed by God. There is no third category. I believe in the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. His ways are sovereign. His ways are much higher than mine. Nothing ever just happens. And nothing is caused by someone or something. Listen to this. Outside of God's control. He could have controlled that. You may say, hey, but this happened, this has been so bad. Was it outside of God's control? If you believe in the sovereignty of God, then how could, how could it ever be anything be outside of God's control? That means that there is no such thing as chance or fate or luck. God is sovereign. The believer must know that his trials are appointed by God. Destined for certain things. It's appointed by him. Secondly, he must know that the temptation to cave in, to give in, is of the tempter. In verse 5, it speaks about that, the temptation to give in. It's, a, it's of the tempter. It's of Satan himself. And Satan's, uh, Satan's whole modus operandi is to strike fear in the believer. To silence the believer. His modus operandi is to get you to desert Christ. His modus operandi is to rattle the believer to turn away from Christ and the church. And once he's turned away from Christ and he's turned away from the church, God's church, because we are his church, then what is left of what is left? What is there that is holding him and covering him and protecting him? You know what Satan does? Once I'm there and I blame everything else and everybody else and the church, then he is able to use my desertion to affect many lives. He uses that negative impact input of my, of, of my life and my words and my actions to affect many other lives. Eventually, you will have no testimony. So I want to say that it's important for us to gather together here weekly and come together to worship him. It's the best thing that you could ever do to be among God's children to worship with God's children. Little by little, we lose the joy we once had when we don't worship together. Under pressure, we begin to give in to bad habits, wrong attitudes, and then we begin the long slide into the wrong direction. Some never return. 
if you want you in that on that road and in the wrong direction, some never return. No matter how we pray for them, no matter how concerned we are for them, they never return. Pray for your family, brothers and sisters. Pray for your church family. That they would come and be part of what God is busy doing in our lives at this time. But thirdly, a strong faith spreads forth an excellent testimony. You spread a testimony. You give a testimony that is so powerful. And this is what happened to these people. You know, uh, in verse 6, Timothy comes back and he gives a report, an um, an amazing report of these, these young believers. It gives forth an excellent testimony. When Timothy returned from his mission to the Thessalonian church, he had a glowing report. They are growing. Their faith is stronger than before. They are totally committed to the Lord. The believers were standing firm in their faith. That's what Timothy said. They were not buckling under persecution, nor temptation to turn from Christ. Neither were they tempted to turn from Christ. They were not forsaking their worship of Christ. They continued in him no matter the sacrifice. They were sharing Christ and the promise of eternal life with all who would listen. They were ministering and meeting the needs of all those who would receive their help. These young believers, think about them, baby believers. You see, brothers and sisters, your lifestyle, whether good or bad, bears testimony to the faith you have in Christ. I ask you this morning, what are you spreading at, the moment, at this moment? Is it good? Is it excellent? Or is it bad? What are you spreading? A strong faith spreads an excellent testimony. Is your, is your testimony an excellent one this morning? But then fourthly, a strong faith stirs hearts of fellow believers. From verses 7 right through to verse 12. The strong faith of the Thessalonians strengthened and encouraged Paul in his ministry. He speaks there about distress. There, we were, you know, we were in distress. In verse, distress here means crushing trouble. Crushing trouble that was that is busy choking me. Speaks about intense pressure. Great distress. That's what Paul was talking about here. Our faith is used by the Lord to strengthen though and encourage others in their need. Therefore, we must stand strong and grow stronger in our own faith. Day by day. In year verse 7, their strong faith stirred, renewed life and purpose in Paul. In fact, in verse 8, it, their strong faith stirred, renewed life and purpose in Paul. Paul was discouraged, not defeated. Listen to this. Discouraged, not defeated. He was discouraged. Not defeated because of the difficulties confronting him in Corinth. Remember, he was busy in Corinth ministering. And there were many 
kind of problems in, uh, in, in, in Corinth. That church is such a carnal, was such a carnal church. And that, you know, this is what he had to deal with all the time. But the news of the Thessalonian believers reached him. And when it reached him, it ignited a renewed burst of life and purpose in him. The way they served the Lord. Their strong faith in the Lord even lifted the strong man, the Apostle Paul. Even when we are at our strongest. Remember this. You still can be used in that strong person's life that you perceive to be strong. Just a little word of encouragement. Just a verse, just a prayer, just a call makes a difference. Yeah, it ignited the Apostle Paul, their faith. Their faith was, he was stirred to minister and share Christ because of their faith as never before. Their faith was stirring him to be faithful. Stirring him in one of those times when he needed encouragement. We never know when our strength and faith are needed to help some dear child of God. Our friends watch to see how we will respond to tragedy or, or trials. They want to know if what we say we believe is really enough for us in hard times. But from, and as we look at this, from the shadows they watch us and as we suffer and as we struggle, they want to see whether what we stand for and believe in is real or not. Their strong faith moved the Apostle Paul. Their strong faith stirred joy in Paul as well, verse 9. Eh? He just burst forth praising and thanking God. Time and time again for them. <laughs> oh, we thank the Lord for, for, for people like the Apostle Paul and for, people, for, for, for young believers like those in Thessalonica. Their strong faith stirred Paul to pray for their fellowship and growth in Christ. Verse 10, does your faith ever stir other believers? You can see it there. He prayed for them to grow in verse 10. Does your faith ever stir other believers? Even when going through a trial, do you try to lift up and encourage other believers? You know, I've been, as a pastor, I've many times visited people and, you know, even those in hospitals, when they're there, you go there and they are such an encouragement to you. You go there to encourage them, but you leave them more encouraged. Have you ever experienced that? It happens all the time. I always say this, you know, as a, I've learned one thing as a pastor. When I'm... In times when I'm not feeling lacquer, I'm going to use that word lacquer, <laughs> the best thing to do is to visit someone, <laughs> spend time with and minister to that person. You know what happens? That person, without that person realizing it, that person ministers to you by just, by, just by what they're saying and so forth. <laughs> I want to say this. Many people are going through some hard times right now. I wish it were not so. But it is true. In the last few days, I've heard about prodigal children, aging parents, worries about the future, 
divorce. I've heard about breast cancer. I've heard about an infant with a serious medical condition. I've heard about children far from God. Christians dealing with doubt, others with fear, and still others dealing with lingering bitterness. I've heard it during these past few days. Even if I had the power, which I don't, I want to say this, I don't have it. I, I wouldn't take the pain away from them or make the hard times disappear. I try, but I can't. God has ordained that your trials are part of his plan to make you like Jesus. To make you like Jesus. You see, there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. To take away the pain, I might move, move too soon and block God's work in your life. Block God's work in my life. Because I see things from a human perspective. I might actually hurt you instead of help you, even though my motives would be good. Job 23 verse 10 says, For he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I will come for this gold. You can have an easy life, or you can have a deep faith, my brother, my sister. You, you can't have both. There is no gold, though, without the fiery furnace. Remember that. There's no gold without the fiery furnace. Our hard times are designed to bring us closer to the Lord. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let us, therefore, endure our trials with grace and courage, knowing that when your trials are over, you will come for this gold. It's gold, and I want to conclude with a story, and then we're through this morning. A water bearer, it's a, it's a fable from India. A water bearer in India had two large pots. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Each hung on the end of a pole which he carried across his neck. Across his neck. Eh? <laughs> One of the pots were cracked. And when carried from the spring to the owner's home, it, it was always, when it, they arrived there at the owner's home, it was half full. The other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its imperfections. After two years of what seemed to be a bitter failure, two years, can you see it? The cracked pot, it's a fable, remember, the cracked pot, spoke to the water bearer. I have been able to deliver only half my load for the past two years. I am ashamed of myself. I want to apologize for letting you down. The bearer replied, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Did you, did you notice there were flowers only on your side of the path? That's because I have always known about your flaw. And I took advantage of it. 
I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day, while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have this beauty to grace his house. Each of us have our own unique ability to touch lives. You might have a flaw this morning. Commit the flaw to your master. We are all crackpots, brothers and sisters. We have a crack somewhere. Whatever that crack is this morning, bring the cracks to Jesus. He can restore it. If we allow him to, the, will, the Lord will use what we've experienced in the past, the flaws that we've had, to grace the lives of others. So whether you have a flaw this morning, bring it to the Master. The Master wants to use that flaw that you've worked through, you've been through. He wants to use that to shape the lives of others. Are you ready to shape the lives of others? Are you ready to live for King Jesus? I don't know what your flaws are this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I will repeat again what I said. I don't know what your flaw is this morning, but whatever it is, won't you at this very moment speak to the Lord, pour out your hearts to him. I want to encourage us to speak to him and say, Lord, this is my shortcoming. This is my flaw. This is my failure, but I surrender it all to you this morning. Because, Lord, like that flower pot, or like that pot, I want to grace and bless the lives of many because of what I've learned from my flaws. Won't you just bring yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be used by you to be a powerful vessel. Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord, you've called each one of us to be a blessing wherever we go. You've created each one of us and designed us Lord, to touch lives and to make a difference wherever we set foot. This morning, Father, we surrender our lives our all to you. We want to be your servants making a difference wherever we go, shining our lives in this dark world. Lord, take us just as we are. We surrender all to you. Won't you direct our steps today and for the rest of our lives here on planet Earth? Amen.